fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Are we really calling it quits? Is that what's happening now? It sounds like the majority of individuals in the country have just had enough of each other. We just can't deal with each other any longer. We want a divorce. We want it to be over and done. According to Mediaite.com, the new shocking poll from the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia shows that more than half of Trump voters surveyed and more than 41% of Biden voters favor a blue and or red state seceding from the union. That's the point that we've gotten to. We knew it was coming. We've been very frustrated, majoritively conservatives, very cons- uh, very frustrated with the election from last year, upset with the Biden administration and all the shenanigans. The, prior to that, all the Democrats didn't like Trump, and they never really promoted states' rights until Trump got in office. And they're like, hey, maybe as a state we should stop what Donald Trump's actually doing. <laughs> but now, even today, 41% of Biden supporters want blue states to secede from the union more than half of trump voters quote-unquote republicans and trump voters want to secede from the union how shocking the divorce is the divorce from the united states going to be happening relatively soon are we just done with each other we can't compromise can't work together any longer we just have to step away and figure out our own things. Hey, welcome into the show. It's the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, all over the country on radio and on TV, live streaming, podcasting. You can find us online at HoosierReason.com and the social media handles at Hoosier Reason. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day, watching or listening. We appreciate you very much. First off, programming note, hopefully it doesn't sound too obvious. Yesterday and today, I have been battling a wicked cold, and it's getting better. It is getting better because guess what? With the herbal, natural, holistic medicines, I go home, Mrs. Voice of Reason makes up her little tea concoction, and I feel great. Not nearly as stuffy as what I was yesterday, but hopefully it doesn't sound you know, like too nasally. Today. It's kind of weird. Uh, yesterday as well, it felt like an odd show. It was still a good show, I thought, but it was an odd show because I was hyped up on Benadryl allergy medicine, which anyone knows that when you take Benadryl, you kind of get kind of loopy and tired. And I didn't realize that before I took it. I was just like, hey, it's going to help clear up the sinuses. And it did. But I felt a little funky. So I, it was kind of a fun show yesterday. I, I got done with it. I was like, what did we talk about again? So hopefully you enjoy the entertainment value on that as much. We have a great show lined up for you today, though. Steve Bays, we've had him on the program uh, before. He's with the New American. He'll he's joining to talk about some of the unconstitutional executive orders from the Biden administration. How many have there been, and what do we do to stop those shenanigans? Because it's not going through the proper legislative process. If you remember all the way back when, most of us can't remember that time. George Washington signed like six, maybe four. And they've slowly increased to now we have about 66 of them that have been signed by Joe Biden just in the first nine months of his administration. What are, uh, is it going to get worse? What can we do to stop them? And how unconstitutional are these executive orders? We'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. We were going to chat with Will Witt. He's with Prager University. He is a former uh, student at uh, Colorado University in Boulder. I know. 
Wow. And ended up leaving there. Also author of, the, of a book as well about influencing your enemies. We chatted with him. We'll probably play that interview next week just because I don't have time to play it today. I really want to. He's on his book tour right now, but we'll probably probably play that interview sometime next week. So that means it's just you and me for the first half hour. And it's great to have you along for the ride today. Radio, TV, live streaming and the podcasting. Um, with over half of the country wanting to secede in one form or fashion from either red states or blue states, the divorce of America is it imminent. Obviously, the last time this has been tried has been the Civil War era, and that's concerning to me. Now, I want to put this into perspective in terms that maybe those that don't necessarily follow politics every single day can understand this on what's at play here. Because if we do secede, let's just say, worst case scenario, we do something like this. What would we replace it with and how would we divide this nation? Would we go back to individual states? Because that's really kind of how we started was individual states. That was the 13 colonies that started off as a nation. And then we kind of grew from there. We started off, though, with the colonies themselves. Texas was its own individual nation for a while. And no, they're not now. They they can't really be an independent. They are part of the United States, but they could secede just like any other state. But if they did that, what would it look like? Because if we do, let's just say if we did secede from the nation, what would that nation look like? I sure don't want California, even though I love a lot of California people, I don't want the politics of California to be infiltrating in the new government system. At the same time, the entire East Coast, I wouldn't want. So are we splitting into three nations with like the West Coast, the central part of the country and the East Coast? Is that what we would do? At the same time, I don't want to do that either because I love this country. I love every bit of it. I love everybody within this nation, even if I don't agree with you politically. I I, I just... I can't see a splitting. So how do you do that? The Civil War tried that too in the North and the South sort of thing. That didn't work out too well. And that would have been a weird divide as well, especially today because now we're so diversified in every individual state. What would something like that look like? But let's take a step back from that, shall we? Who are the powers at bay wanting to divide? I see a lot of memes that I'm kind of in this boat together. I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. I, I stand for the, the Trump movement. I stand for conservative principles. But at the same time, if someone that's still wanting to fight for the state, if they actually say, I love the country, I just have a different political view, I'm right there with you. Because we don't like divide. It's the left side of the aisle that likes to do the identity politics. It's the left side of the aisle that likes to create division between individuals. I am still willing to talk to a Democrat and socialize with a Democrat and, and converse with them as long as they're willing to do the same with me without going to the personal attacks of you're a racist and you're a you know a homophobe and you're this and you're that and you're this all this all this other stupid stuff that's not true. But they just go to the emotional response because they're kind of on the lower IQ levels. Who's really at play here causing the divide to want to secede and who would benefit from secession of the nation if the states ended up doing that, or if any state ended up doing that, who would actually benefit from that move? Because you know it's all strategized from the higher-ups, whether you want to call it the the shadow government, the elites, the, uh, the, I don't know, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, I don't really care. But there's obviously powers at bay that would benefit, just like when we invade nations, we know we're invading them for some type of personal reason. Not necessarily that's a bad thing, we just have to admit it and acknowledge it when we go into a scenario, when we push for certain political agendas or certain legislation at the federal level. 
Prime example is a $3.5 trillion federal budget going on right now. We know that there's powers at bay here. Uh, Joe Manchin wants a $1.5 trillion budget, which is laughable to the $3.5 trillion the Democrats are pushing, so that's not going to last very long. But who's actually going to benefit from a $3.5 trillion federal budget? Not you and I, because that's a lot of money that's not going to be sent to us. We're going to get the bones from it and the little scraps from it and say, look, we did something for you because we are the ruling class. So while I entertain the idea of a secession from different states, as entertaining as that may potentially be, and while we do get upset with the other side of the aisle, both sides being very frustrated with this, uh, we need to acknowledge who would actually benefit the most from this. And I think there's signs, even within our pop culture right now, that are starting to explain. So I don't know if you've seen this game or this new show that's on Netflix now if anybody has Netflix still I have it for a couple reasons because there are two shows on there that I really really enjoy that are Netflix originals that I'm watching and then I'll cancel it I know I've said that before and I've wanted to cancel it but then they continue to put out new seasons of the show and I can't stop so I continue to watch it but there's a new show out on Netflix called the squid game and it looks like it's over from Japan or Asia somewhere and it's typical like oh these elites the ruling class find some people that are vulnerable. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like Saw, except maybe not as gruesome, although it seems pretty gruesome as well. I don't know. Maybe it's just like that too. But they find these vulnerable people, uh, vulnerable people, find people struggling, find people needing help, find people struggling with something. And then they, it looks like, I have not seen it yet, that they put them in these games for a cash prize, but it consists of doing horrible things or killing each other, whatever they do. But the concept is interesting. And I want to put this in relation to the secession movement and the division we're seeing right now based on the pawns that we are as the ruling class continues to push whatever they want to for their own personal gain. There are multiple movies out there right now that have the same general feel. Do you remember, too, there was a movie called The Platform, and I believe it was a Netflix movie as well, and it was their attempt, it was a foreign movie, but it was an attempt to try and slander capitalism, how evil capitalism is, is that you have the higher-up ruling class, and then you have the lower people that are just scrounging and barely getting anything. And the concept of the movie, the platform, was that these people in prison were in these tiered levels of this building, the skyscraper building, and there was like 50 floors, and each floor was rated based on how bad your severity was. And every month, apparently, you would change these floors, either up or down to the first floor, all the way up to the you know fifth floor or the 50th floor, whatever. And I guess there was actually like 200 and some odd floors. And there was this big open hole in the middle of the floor, and this tray of food would go on down. And if you were at the very, very top where it would start, then you actually would be able to eat for the entire month and you'd have everything. By it got down to about the hundredth floor, there was nothing left. And the people were killing each other and cannibalism, all this horrible stuff. And it was their attempt at showing that capitalism was such a skewed way of living because the higher ups had all the goodies and the people down below didn't have anything. And it was a horrible representation of capitalism. But people, I think, missed the deeper meaning of that story. Because they forgot the concept of who put the levels together, who actually created it. It was the government agencies, the elitism, the the higher ups, the whatever that actually created the system itself to make people turn on each other. If you remember the movies, The Circle, I think it was The Circle, something like that. Uh, it was another Netflix movie 
about, I think it was a little bit more out there, alien abductions, whatever, but people woke up and they were standing in this circle around each other and they had to vote to eliminate each other, which then this robot or this alien or whatever would kill each one of them and it would get down to the final two and you had to play this game to try to eliminate everybody else for your survival. Again, they talk about the game itself, who created the game, the turning on each other, the profiting for oneself in order to eliminate your opponent, even though you have nothing against them, because that's just what you do. At the same time, another movie, One Bedroom or One BR, whatever it was called, this gal that gets a room and ends up getting uh, kidnapped within the community and they brainwash her to try and join this cult and the cult is running this apartment complex. And you need us. And then she escapes it and realizes it's not just the one apartment complex, but it's the entire housing community. And you couldn't get away from it. Again, who created that system? There's movies galore showing this representation. And I think a lot of people miss this concept that while the quote-unquote pawns are trying to play this bickering game of who's going to profit and benefit from each other and who's going to kill each other in order to survive the, the survivalist games and who's going to do well and who's not going to do well, we forget that while we go at each other, the higher-ups are the ones sitting there watching it happen, whether it's a social experiment, whether it's just trying to cause the chaos and anarchy and division, there's always the ones up there benefiting from that. And while we see now we want or states to secede from the nation and from the United States, let's remember who's actually going to benefit from that, who's actually not going to benefit from something like that. It's an interesting concept because while we may disagree politically, some are emotionally charged and just completely ignorant to the deeper issues of the day. We're the ones that kind of grasp these issues, are we not? That's the way we start off a Friday. It's The Voice Reason. Lots more to get to here on the show. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier Holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information 
at HoosierReason.com. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. By the way, all those movies that I just referenced in that last segment, highly recommend watching all of them because I find them interesting. Some of them were actually really good movies. Others, uh, there's just a message there. And the big question I guess you could ask is now, are they trying to warn us of what's happening and what is going to happen? Or are they trying to condition us to be comfortable with said stuff? So that way we're like, oh, okay, this is how this works. I find them interesting, all, all of them, but there's always that overtowering individual or group that's kind of doing the social experiment on individuals, and they're always benefiting. So while we're clashing with each other, they're sitting there laughing, which is, again, why we yell, yell and scream at progressives how stupid that their ideology is, because you're giving them the power to do that. Conservatism, obviously, it's the individual. Limited government, limited power. You have the ability to make your own decisions. I don't know why that's a bad thing. I really don't know why they get so angry about that because they like their centralized power and saying, oh, yes, please, you know, higher powers that may be in the government. Please, like, don't squish me like a bug because I really, really love you. Instead of saying, you know what, you shouldn't have the uh, capability of doing that in the first place. Same thing goes along with this three and a half trillion dollar federal budget, which is kind of at a standstill. They started negotiations today. It's going to go on for a while. They did a continuing resolution. Uh, topical, right? Uh, typical is what they do through the end of this year. But we still have this budget they want to ram through. Uh, AOC losing her mind because, oh, you're going to take, like, kids and let them die in the street and stuff. Which is not true. It's not true, but that's what they like to do. But th- I, I want to break this down again for people to understand a little bit. $5 trillion in total. $3.5 from the budget, $1.2 from the infrastructure bill. trillion together. I want to make this somewhat understandable to us because once you get to those big numbers, you kind of gloss over and it's not really personal to you. So you're like, I don't really care, whatever. Okay, let's just write the number down and just move on. I mean, this is them, not us, because we're just like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? So the federal government wanting to pass a budget total for $5 trillion, $1 trillion, just to put this into just an understanding for you a little bit. And we need the proper, I guess, theme for this as we go through it. $1 trillion, just so you're aware, a stack of $1 billion would be 67.9 miles high. A billion dollars, a trillion dollars, a trillion dollar bills would reach 67,866 miles into space. That's how much money this is. One trillion, now times that by five with what we're doing. One trillion dollar bills laid end to end would stretch 96,906,656 miles further than the distance of the Earth to the Sun. Now times that by five. A trillion dollars laid side to side would cover more square miles than the states of Rhode Island and Delaware combined. Now times that by five. 
A trillion dollars on skids would need to be transported by 478 semi-trailers. Unloaded, it would fill an entire football field from sideline to sideline and almost goal to goal line. Times that by five. Five football fields worth of bucks that they want to spend in a single year. That's not including everything else as well with COVID-19 stimulus and additional social programs and everything else. If you were to spend $40 every single second, which I would have, my wife would even have a hard time spending that much money. It would take two, <laughs> I'm going to get a call for that one. It'll take 289 days to spend a billion dollars. That's a billion. That's at the same spending rate, $40 a second. It would take... Uh, and that's spending at the rate of almost $3.45 million per day. At the same rate of spending $40 a second, it would take 792 years to blow through a trillion dollars. At the same time, you look at the federal budget, you look at what the federal government's doing, a trillion dollars that we spend, we do that in about eight hours' time. Eight hours' time at the federal level, and we want to do it now for $5 trillion dollars for the next year, not on top of the other project that they have. And the Democrats are even halfway remotely considering this absurdity. I think that's why people want to secede and leave, because we can't deal with this crap anymore, can we? We're done! The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Going by way too fast. Flies right on by. Fastest hour of radio on radio, plus the TV live streaming podcasting. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Trying to have a little fun for a Friday as well. Trying to put things into perspective with the $3.5 trillion federal budget, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, $5 trillion total. How much is that exactly? It's a lot of damn money is what it is, and it's way too much. Can we bring it down? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I know how I love how Biden just disappears. The whole conversation, usually the president, if they're really, really, really wanting a bill, which let's remember, this would be the first piece of actual legislation that they really pass that's of substance that really matters to them because everything else has been executive orders. Everything else, I mean, obviously, other than the COVID-19 stimulus earlier this spring, everything else has been executive orders right now. This would be the first piece of legislation, the federal budget and the infrastructure bill. He's done everything else by control and by through the executive power. 
that's not supposed to be there, but executive power that he thinks that he has to try and ram through how we actually live our lives, which is why he's so desperate to make this happen. This infrastructure bill, it's all about Green New Deal garbage. This $3.5 trillion federal budget that would really just raise taxes on all of us, give us an additional death tax on top of what we already do, corporate taxes, gas taxes, well, mileage taxes. Did you realize that you'd be paying like an extra 1000 bucks a year on that mileage, ta- uh, mileage tax with the average that the American drives every single year? How crazy is that? How crazy is that? So what do we do to stop that? I don't know whether we can stop it or not to talk about some of that and more, though, with the executive orders. How many have there been? Oh, that's right. There's been, according to federalregister.gov so far, the Biden administration, the first nine, eight and a half, nine months of his administration, 63 executive orders. I know. Well, that's crazy. So to talk about that, are they constitutional? What can we do to stop some of these? We're excited to have back on the program. He is uh, with a uh, writer for The New American, also author of the book, The History's Greatest Libels. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Mr. Steve Bays with us. Steve, how are you, my friend? Good. Glad to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the program. It's been a while since we've chatted. 63 executive orders in the first eight months of the administration, really no legislation to back up his quote-unquote legacy that he wants. We have travesties at the border. We have travesties in Washington, D.C. We have federal mandates coming down that, by the way, aren't passed by Congress. They're just executive mandates here. Um, It sounds like we're going and straying just a little bit away from the Constitution, aren't we? Well, I would say that uh, it's quite extensive away from the Constitution on several levels. Uh, first off, uh, you know, uh, executive orders are, are a legitimate power of the president, uh, to, but they are to the executive branch, people in the executive branch, to carry out laws passed by Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president has no more authority uh, to order anyone outside of the government to do anything uh, than you and I do. Uh, that, that's just simple. Uh, uh, his, uh, his power to issue an executive order is only to carry out uh, the law uh, that has been passed by Congress. And I would say, furthermore, that uh, in addition to that, uh, the law passed by Congress uh, should be constitutional itself. And I think this would fail, even if it was passed by Congress. Uh, but uh, in a situation where the president of the United States cannot order someone to take a shot, whether that's good or bad to take the shot, it should be left up to each individual. Right. You know, and, they, and all that. It, it's not his business what, whether you and I take a shot. Yeah, it's wild that we've gone to that level. And I've talked about the divisiveness in the country, the the identity politics that the government loves to play, that progressives love to play based on skin color or based on gender identification or sexual orientation or religion or whatever. They love to find weird ways to divide us, to turn us on each other. I never thought that we would see some of the most divisiveness in the nation based on if you wear a mask and if you get a vaccine, and that there is going to be the deciding factor on whether you isolate and you can't be near public uh, public areas or whether you're allowed to actually uh, uh, mingle amongst other individuals in the general public. To me, that's bo- mind-boggling. Well, well it is. Uh, first off, uh, the, the way the government, federal government has taken such a role in uh, the medical field is uh, very scary to me that uh, this is the first time that I know of that, uh, you know, like 
lot of you know doctors uh, are harassed and uh, for you know using certain medications that have already been approved yeah. uh, for use. But this is the first time that they say, well, you can't use it for that. You know, once the, a drug is approved, it can be used off label for other things. But you know, like things like hydroxychloroquine and some of the other things. Uh, Anything they think is being used to treat COVID that is not approved by them, and that that's uh, that's kind of uh, totalitarian to me. Oh, very much so. Very much so. I mean, we see I'm looking through the list of executive orders right now and we're seeing the uh, 14043 requiring coronavirus disease 2019 vaccination for federal employees. That's kind of I mean, that itself was kind of the tipping point that started all this. Now we're wanting to do it for businesses over 100 employees or not. It's wild to think that they even can consider having that type of power over them. The big question is, what is the best way to fight it? Is it just non-compliance because, well, it's an executive order trying to oppose things outside of uh, the agencies under the executive branch? Or is it uh, up to the state legislatures to come out and actually pass legislation to become, quote-unquote, sanctuary-free vaccination uh, states and areas? What do we do to counter some of this? Because we're going under the assumption right now as a nation, unfortunately, that once they sign this, then, oh, we just have to abide by it and go along with it, or OSHA's going to come and shut our business down. Well, I think it's all of the above as far as how to fight it. You fight it in court. You fight it through the state legislatures uh, uh, and and governors. Uh, You you just refuse to cooperate with the federal government. Uh, uh, You know, James Madison, uh, actually, you know, some people think that, and, and I'd say most people that even know anything about it, they know that Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions talked about uh, interposing mm-hmm. uh, the states uh, in between their citizens and the federal government. What a lot of people uh, don't know, James Madison actually talked about it in the Federalist Papers. Uh, he, he, he was trying to assure people that they didn't have to worry about ratifying the Constitution uh, because one of the states could just refuse to go along uh, sure. with these things that the federal government so little, uh, such little enforcement power. And uh, so he, he basically said that states could and should interpose uh, if the legislation is unconstitutional. Well, and we forgot that. I mean, we've forgotten that. We've tried to work on like a convention of states movement. We've had states try to balk a little bit. But now we see, here's the interesting part, Steve, that I find fascinating is that right now we have the federal government imposing mandates and laws that are unconstitutional, that they have no authority in trying to enforce, but they find ways to do it. Like, oh, you know, mandating businesses over 100 employees or more to get their employees vaccinated or we'll have a like OSHA in an administrative uh, department come and shut you down. At the same time, We have laws that are on the books that have been passed by Congress that the executive branch, as the executive branch uh, needing to enforce laws that are on the books, choosing not to enforce like what's going on down at the border where we're not actually stopping people coming in illegally. We're not deporting them again. We're not actually building a wall and, and using that as security to where the states are helpless because constitutionally the states can't do much because that is one duty for the federal government. I find it odd how we choose to enforce things that aren't there and we choose not to enforce things that we're supposed to. Well, yes, and uh, so it, it, it sadly, if if it was working the way it was supposed to, you would have the president enforcing laws that are on the books. 
uh, like in the case of immigration, uh, if the but if the federal government is not going to do their responsibility, and it's it's one of the uh, few things that's actually mentioned in the Constitution that uh, the federal government has a responsibility uh, to the states. One is to guarantee a Republican form of government. One is to protect the states from invasion. Yes. Now, I've argued with people on this. It's uh, they think, well, that just means if some foreign country sends soldiers. It doesn't say that. It says to protect from invasion. And what we have, uh, in many cases, is an invasion. Uh, it's not it's not one or two or a family struggling across the border. These are invasions uh, of our country. And the tens of thousands. And, yeah, and they're neglecting. They're not doing their duty. So what has to happen is states like Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California that are having to deal with this, um, they're just going to have to do it, you know, and uh, and other states like Oklahoma and Kansas and other states uh, should support them fully in that effort. Yeah, absolutely. Last question before we let you go. we got about 45 seconds here. But uh, when did you see, historically, when did we start seeing the transition of executive orders from the duty of trying to work under the executive branch to just overall I'm the president, and when I come in, I want to start signing these. When did we start seeing that? Well, a little bit with Lincoln in the Civil War, but you know, then you didn't have it again for a long time. I, I would say probably Franklin Roosevelt. Interesting. Well, it's sad that we see so many now because now, like we mentioned, 63 in the first eight months, uh, that's concerning if we have a four-year term, what the heck else is going to happen over the next three and a half years. It's Steve Bays, author of the book History's Greatest Libels. You can find the, uh, his piece as well with the unconstitutional executive orders uh, on the New American. You can find them at thenewamerican.com. But, Steve, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. we got to do this again here real soon. All right. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll do it again. I always love the conversation. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show today for a Friday. Interesting. How do you fight this stuff? Just recognizing it. Understanding it. Admitting is part of the problem, right? It's what they do when they have problems. Admitting the problem is the first step. We need to admit we have a problem. We need to recognize what the problem is. Then we can work to actually address it and attack it. One step at a time, baby. We got this. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? 
because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back in. So I'm looking through, just randomly scrolling through these lists of executive orders from Biden so far. What a pathetic, you know what. Uh, It's wild to see some of these. And I have to admit, again, if you're of minority descent, first off, I hate why we still have to play identity politics. And, oh, you're a different skin color, therefore you're a victim. I don't understand that mindset. I'll never understand that mindset. And it kind of angers me to even think about that mindset. But there's a couple executive orders here where if I were of minority descent, I would be angry, honestly. Because you want to talk about the divisiveness of the side, the progressive side of the aisle that has promoted slavery, that has promoted segregation, that has promoted a tiered system where, you know, one group abuses the other group and takes advantage and has better opportunities. I would be livid with some of these, honestly, because let me ask you something. I I hate this term. I don't know why we started using this term about equity. Apparently, you are now a piece of equity. You're not an individual. You're not a human being. You are now a piece of equity. And who is setting that value of equity for you? I find that interesting because, again, while we have this slave mindset, this servitude mindset in society uh, for many individuals, uh, apparently we're just allowing the government to set the value of you as a human being as a piece of equity. Executive Order 14045, White House Initiative on Advancing Educational Equity, Excellence, and Economic Opportunity for Hispanics. Okay, Executive Order 14041, White House Initiative for Advancing Educational Equity, Excellence, and Economic Opportunity through Historically Black Colleges and Universities. So, of course, if you are of minority descent, whatever that may be, you are just a piece of equity, and we're going to value your equity in order to try and raise your value. Again, if if we look at anybody as a piece of equity, as a value, of a human being isn't that like trying to categorize them in some way shape or form as slavery of you're just a piece of property but the progressives oh they love it that's why they're trying to push so hard for these social programs the expansion of medicare and medicaid with this three and a half trillion dollar budget while they're trying to advance you know a free pre-k 
educational programs for into for different kids while they're trying to advance the free two-year colleges because we're setting a value that's by the way government value so you know that's probably a little bit lower because government work isn't necessarily the best of quality of work so we're setting free government quality crap and then trying to say that you're worth that please go to this that's not going to mean anything and it's not going to help you in any way because it's government quality crap and everybody's going to have the same one and all of a sudden you're supposed to stand out because you have equity if you're of minority descent if you're on the lower end of the income level and you're advocating for these please reconsider again not trying to be divisive trying to wake you up and actually see reason and common sense because if everybody has the same thing do you really stand out and are you really unique and do you really want some government bureaucrat who doesn't know anything about you to be labeling you as a piece of equity? I find that kind of interesting. Last couple of minutes before we wrap up the show today for a Friday, there is something else very interesting in the news today as well. What's trending today? We have the executive orders right now, obviously mandating the COVID-19 vaccine for all federal employees under the Biden administration. We now have the executive order as well that's mandating everybody or any business within 100 employees or more to force to get that vaccine. There's a new headline out of the Associated Press about an experimental pill that could be cutting out the effects of COVID-19. Wait a second. So we've now done this into a pill. We talked and joked about how they're trying to put it in different plants. So you could eat a salad and you could eat the plant and it's got like the same stuff in it from the vaccine, just in plant form. And that way people uh, can be fooled in the quote unquote uh, um, holistic health environment, holistic health industry to where you could eat this and feel like you're doing the same thing. But now the drug maker of Merck announced today that the experimental COVID-19 pill reduces hospitalizations and deaths by half in people recently infected with the coronavirus, potentially a leap forward in the global fight against the pandemic. Now, the Associated Press, I give them credit for actually running this story. My question is, is if, if this does come out to be legitimate, are we still going to mandate vaccines? I mean, right now we're literally forcing government to control the private industry and private individuals on what they can do with their bodies and telling them what they have to inject in order to, like, function in society. If we have a pill, then do you still have to get the vaccine? Because right now it's about the control. Merck has not been one that's been the top of the list right now for the COVID-19 fight that's been getting all the juicy little kickbacks from the federal government for the mandates. Are they trying to actually do this legitimately? Or is this going to be another kickback control from the federal government saying if you don't want to get the vaccine just take this pill but you got to take the pill all the time constantly and that way you can fight COVID-19 control freaks man it's all about the control freaks and I don't like that I don't like control freaks I don't think you do either that does it for us today a podcast going up in just a little bit back at it some uh not tomorrow for Monday Monday you can find us again on the voice of reason tomorrow for the local program here in Wichita until then be your own voice of reason this is the voice of reason I'm Andy Hoosier have a great weekend we'll see you on the radio Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. 
Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.